Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. We are at another chapter in Corinthians, chapter 2 in Exhale Bible Discovery. Hi there, I'm Dr. Paula McDonald, and I'm excited to share this week's lesson with you. And remember that last week, Paul led us right into the issues of the Corinthian church. He didn't miss a beat. And the divisions in the church and among believers were causing all sorts of problems. And Paul knew he needed to intervene to guide this church and to us as believers today to let us know that these divisions do not have a place within our church. And these divisions are pointing to specific doctrines that define the church that represents Christ. And so this lesson today in chapter two is going to focus on two main areas Jesus, who he is and about his mind. The first division is the proclamation of Christ, and it's just the first five verses. And then the second division is the mind of Christ, and that'll take us from verses 6 through 16. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you'll notice that these first verses are Paul's opening statements to the church. He's identifying himself and he is personally addressing them. So in verses one and two, it says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul continues affirming who he is in Christ. He is humbly submitting to them that he is only doing the job for Christ and not within his own power. Paul never takes any credit on his own. Then in verse 3, he says, I came to you in weakness, great fear, and trembling. And I really appreciate how Paul is telling us that in his own flesh, that he fails miserably. He knows his job is for the Lord, and it's very, very important. And so he takes this job extremely seriously, and he's showing us his humanness. And then in verses four through five, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so the power that Paul operates under, we know that's from the Holy Spirit. And there are two main lessons that are woven here into these first five verses. First of all, the proclaimed testimony about God. 
And Paul never, never wavers in this message. And to proclaim actually meant to announce something important. And to testify meant that Paul was convinced that Jesus was who he said he was. Paul was the first Christian apologist. And this Greek word for apologist is called apologia, which means in defense of. And we've seen and will continue to see in Paul's writings that he never tires of proclaiming this truth about Christ. He was completely convinced of it. The second main lesson is about God's power. Well, Paul demonstrates that he is under the influence of the Holy Spirit and is not doing anything to further the kingdom of God in his own power. And so your truth bomb for this first division is, Paul shares his humanness in that he can do nothing on his own. And so your call to action, how have you tried in vain to do things without the leading of God in your life? And how did that turn out? And how do you know when you are being Christ-led? Good things to ponder. So now we're going to move into the second division, the mind of Christ, the last 6 through 16 verses. Verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. And so clearly, Paul's telling us that God's wisdom is something that is honed and refined as believers become more and more sanctified daily in Christ. And specifically, Paul mentions wisdom among the mature. He isn't meaning an age wisdom, but rather those who are wise and have wisdom in the things of God. So age and experience are important, but what is more important is having a pure heart for God. And then a maturing of faith will require consistent efforts for each of us as believers. Verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. The reference to not being the wisdom of this age is referring to the fact that because we are not God, we have finite minds and therefore we're never, ever going to know everything. And we have to accept that. God, who is the only infinite one, he possesses all wisdom and all knowledge. And we can look at Mark 4, 11, which says, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. And so he's telling us is, you know, this mystery and why would God create his wisdom clouded in mystery? It's a great question. But he's telling us there are rewards for those who give up much in order to follow him. And this reward, one of these rewards, is having our eyes open to the knowledge and the wisdom 
that God reserved for us, those who put our faith in him. Our glory refers to our redemption and our eternal life with Christ. I know for one, I'm happy about that. So let's look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. And so if we look at this, just like when Paul was spiritually blinded on that road to Damascus before his conversion, those who do not follow Christ today, they are also blind to the things of God. They are spiritually blind. And truly, he's saying here in this verse that if the men who actually were carrying out the crucifixion of Christ had really understood who Christ was, there is no way that they would have been able to put him on that cross. Verse 9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard or human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Wow, this verse Paul's quoting a verse from Isaiah 64:4 to help us recognize that God's plan for mankind was prepared long before any of us were even here and that we as his people you guys we cannot comprehend all that God has prepared for us our finite minds simply cannot fully grasp what God has in store for us as believers So imagine what we don't know. And then in verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so what Paul's saying here is once we have accepted Christ into our lives, we are then indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And this is a gift that Christ promised us. And next week in chapter three, we're going to dig much deeper into this truth. But please know as believers, we do possess the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And that should bring us all great comfort. John 14, 17 says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so the key word here is revealed. God alone chooses what he will and will not reveal to us. And also his choice of who he uses to do specific things for his kingdom. That's up to God. That's not up to us. Then in verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so this is part of that mystery of God that he spoke about a few verses up. We can know our own thoughts, but we can never fully know the thoughts of God. But thankfully, he allows us to have our beautiful Bible that contains his words his teachings, and his will for our lives. The Bible then provides guidelines that he desires for us to follow. 
And so this is yet one more great reason to be digging into scripture and to know his word. Verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So because the Holy Spirit is within all of us as believers, we can begin to understand the things and ways of God. And it's only through Him and His Spirit that we're allowed to see this clearly. And this is why, to those who are outside the body of Christ, they're never going to understand your commitment to Bible study or your reason for your hope or why you exude a joy that they simply cannot relate to. And until they decide to accept Christ into their lives, they're going to have a God void that only he can fill. And the word receive in this passage again points to the fact that the Holy Spirit is a gift that is imparted upon all believers when we place our lives in his. And a gift can certainly be given, but it's not always guaranteed that it's going to be received. Have you ever given somebody a gift that was rejected? It doesn't feel good. And so our Savior, He gave us a choice. He laid down His life for all of mankind. Yet, it is up to each individual person to actually receive His gift. Verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So every believer has this access to the Holy Spirit. And you guys, it is only when we earnestly seek the Spirit through prayer and study that we begin to gain more and more access to this wisdom and mind of Christ. And again, as I've stated before, when we choose to spend time with the Almighty, oh my goodness, He is going to bless us with the opening of our eyes and our hearts to know more of His wisdom. And this also affirms that when we seek to speak about Christ, we should trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us. When we have his word embedded deeply into our hearts, we will be much better equipped to share his words of wisdom. And Psalm 81.10 tells us, Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And this does not mean that every believer has this deep spiritual wisdom because this is something that we grow into. We're going to get there if we continue on the path of sanctification. And we're never going to fully understand all the spiritual mysteries. That's where faith comes in. But it does mean every believer can understand the basics of this Christian message, which is unattainable by human wisdom. And it should provide us as believers with that confidence then to speak about Christ with boldness wherever and whenever we can. Verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through 
the Spirit. This means those of us with the Spirit of God in us, you guys, we have a spiritual discernment that other other people don't have. And when we deal with people in our own families, our neighbors, friends, and coworkers who just don't get our zeal for Christ, and it's because they simply cannot. They are spiritually blind, as Saul was before he was um, struck down on that road to Damascus. And until they make the personal choice for God or God calls them personally, they're going to remain in that spiritual blindness. And the statement that says, does not accept, up there in that verse, again demonstrates that there are many who do not and will not accept anything regarding God or Christ. They reject rather than accept the beautiful gift that Christ came to bring us. And then in verse 15, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. So the Christian has the spiritual capacity to sift, to investigate, examine, and discern all things within the framework of the divine revelation of redemption. And on the other hand, the natural man, the one without the Holy Spirit, does not have the ability to understand the Christian way of life, of examination and judgment, because he is completely unacquainted with the meaning of spiritual life. Therefore, when humans judge us, it means nothing, because we are only being judged by the Spirit. So that's a good thing to remember, especially in this very judgy world. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Once again, Paul is assuring us as believers that not only do we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we also have this beautiful mind of Christ. Being of the same mindset means that we strive to become more and more like him. And knowing while on this earth we can never fully attain a perfect mind like Christ, we can strive daily to learn all we can and become more and more like him. So how has this played out for me in my own life? Well, when I was 17 years old and attending my first Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp, I was given a good news Bible. And when I began to really read it, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And finally, I could understand the Bible and I became a sponge and I could not get enough. And to this day, I still yearn and hunger to learn more. And the more I dig into the word, the more he shows me. And I know like Paul, that the only reason he shows me more is because he knows where my heart is and that I sincerely desire to comprehend his words in the scripture. So your truth bomb here is because we have the mind of Christ, we are without excuse for knowing his word. So your call to action, what are you doing 
to allow yourself more time to spend with Christ and prayer and in study. As to summarize this whole lesson today, the second chapter dives right in to some of the most important doctrines of our Christian faith, that each of us must embrace the fact that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's offered to us freely and we can either accept it or deny it. But once we accept Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit becomes our helpmate and it encourages and pricks our conscience and drives us to, to Christ. And as we rely on the Spirit and turn to prayer and to the Word of God, the more we become spiritually mature over time. And this can only occur when you as a believer put in the effort. And unfortunately, this truth is being glossed over in the modern church. Many churches today appear to be more invested in a high-powered worship concert and a message that entertains rather than pierces the heart. Milk-fed worship services keep the flock satisfied, yet is not doing anything to further and encourage spiritual maturity. And I know this sounds harsh, but you guys, sadly, it's true. And even our small groups in our churches often do very little to encourage deep Bible study, but rather pacify feelings and emotions. And when was the last time you were charged by a pastor or a study to get off the milk toast and to grow spiritually mature? And as we studied the book of Revelation last year, we know that God desires for us to know him intimately and deeply. And just as we experience physical growth from our infancy to toddler to being a teenager and adult, our spiritual growth goes through a similar cycle. And so the question for each of us should be, where are you in your spiritual growth cycle? This is truly one of the most important questions aside from the question of, would you accept Christ into your heart? The point here and that of Paul throughout his teachings is to inspire believers to move from being spiritually immature and without growth into a beautiful, fruit-bearing life. There is still time, so don't ever, ever give up. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com, click on podcast, and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode. 